Well, hello. Welcome to episode two of Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. Today, I will be interviewing someone else whose story I featured in my book, Between the Lines, a memoir about addiction, empathy, and evolution. But before I get to that, this is the good news. So in a tough week for good news, I have one really positive story. This one comes from another great Instagram follow at now this news. You should check it out. And it's out of Texas, as you may or may not have guessed. More than 100 graduates from Wiley College, a historically black college in East Texas, had their student debt cleared by an anonymous donor. The graduates were told that the donor had paid off their balances during the school's commencement ceremony. The estimated total for the balances owed to the college by the graduating class of 2022 was approximately $300,000. If that isn't good news, I don't know what is. Oh, yeah, by the way, the White Sox swept the Cubs at Wrigley Field, but that's neither here nor there. So let's get to the big interview. So, if you read Between the Lines, you know Glenn as the friend who was more than willing to throw himself under the bus for me. Fortunately for him, the bus beat him to it. But he was still there for me in what turned out to be the most critical moments of my life. And he was also there when those moments had passed. And even though his precise geographical location is hard to pinpoint these days, he continues to be here for me today, as evidenced by him actually being here for me today. Above everything else, Glenn has helped me realize that maybe my life didn't end the day this shit hit the proverbial fan, and that maybe I could bounce back from rock bottom, and that maybe one day I might even be grateful for the adversity in my life. It took me a long time to see things his way, but I think I finally know what he meant, and maybe I agree with him. That's as far as I'm willing to go. So before we start, I want to mention one other thing that stands out in my mind about Glenn. So here it is. Under very specific conditions, Glenn is quite possibly the world's best player of Name That Tune. I'll just say this. It has to be very late, and you cannot test him for performance-enhancing drugs. Give him two bars of any song of any genre from any time period, and he will nail it. He knows songs that he doesn't even know he knows. It's like nothing else I've ever seen. He's also a terrific swimmer. So without any further pomp and circumstance, let me introduce you to my friend, Glenn. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling today? Good. Do I, uh, do I need my shirt? <laughs> you can take your shirt off okay. if you want to get that makes you comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Good start. First of all, thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast today and for letting me use some of your story in my book. I say some because there is so much more, but it really meant a lot to me. Now that you've read it and it's published and available to the public for eternity, what do you think? How did it make you feel when you read your chapter or any of the other chapters in the book? Yeah, it was, of course, flattering to read my chapter and, and 
you know, struck a chord and made me feel important, uh, especially in your life. I think it was a bit of a, a roller coaster for a lot of reasons. Um, there was some scary stories in there and things that, you know, kind of put a lump in my throat when I, when I read them and a lot of things that resonated with people in my life, my, specifically my brother, Tom, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, but overall, I thought that the empathy, uh, as far as, you know, the, the book's title, um, the empathy was the most significant piece because whether things are good or bad for anybody, and in your case, um, things were bad, uh, and they are for everyone, I think it's those around us that can kind of remove the ego and be empathetic and put themselves in, in your shoes uh, and vice versa to, you know, uh, kind of accept what has happened, try to remove judgment uh, and move forward, keeping things kind of present day, present moment, eye on the ball, back to center without things spiraling out of control or into deeper, darker places that you know will happen have happened you know, with my brother that, that that occurred a lot but I think the empathy was the the continual theme that that I pulled out of it when I got got to the end that's great I mean I didn't pay you to say that right you, just to be clear no no good did yeah not, that did not pay me <laughs> I, I wish I could even if I, I had the money I probably wouldn't but uh yeah, well, that makes me really happy to hear that you that you got that out of the book, and that you know I know it's going to be hard for some people to read, but that's the kind of thing that I wanted to happen. I think that those kind of uncomfortable moments are are what help uh, people learn. Um, you know, force yourself to think about some things that are difficult in order to to learn and to change. So uh, as much as I don't like you know making you uncomfortable, I'm glad you were a little bit uncomfortable yeah, and that you uh, you took that away from it. Um, all right, so you already sort of hinted at uh, where I'm going to go with the second question. It's a big question about something that I didn't bring up in the book, but I, it certainly um, is a relevant story um, about your your brother. Um, and I know that it has a lot to do with why you are the way you are. Um, uh, you you lost your younger brother um, to you know situations related to addiction anyway, uh, not that long ago. Um, so I guess I want to start with like what it was, what was it like for you, um, you know, having a brother, um, you know, you can go back as far as you want, uh, who was suffering with addiction the way he was, and he had it pretty bad. Yeah, I think the knee-jerk reaction word would be aggravating because, um, well, at his funeral or service, um, one of his good friends, Dave Province phrased it perfectly. He said, Tom could make you want to punch him in the stomach. And 30 seconds later, he could have you laughing so hard, your stomach hurt. And, uh, I never said that in his, in the service when I spoke for him, but I should have, and, and it was very accurate. And I think kind of indicative of what he, who he was and, and how addiction affected him. In addition to, you know, being an addict and alcoholic, he was also bipolar and things were always one end or the other with him. It was great or it was terrible. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the case. It, it 
you know, manifested into, into family and friends. I call from my mom, she's crying because, you know, something had, had happened bad with Tom. And next, my brother Jeff is calling me saying, what can we do to, you know, help him? And can you pick him up? And he's at the police station. And then there would be a period of sobriety and detox and, and he would be great. And all of a sudden it was the other side of the mm-hmm. spectrum. And, and then it, 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 it became when you knew one was going to end. It was great when it was the bad that was when you saw the ending there, but when it was the good time that was ending, that was very much the cause of aggravation. And we, I was not empathetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I tried to be, uh, my mom tried to be my dad and his, his wife and friends and other brothers. Um, and it, it's just very difficult because it's easy to say, well, I don't do that and mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. And um, you forget the chemical component of it, whether it's the, you know, d- depression for somebody that sets it off or alcoholism that sets it off or, or bipolarism. It, there's a chemical piece in there that I think we forget about. And I forgot about it. And that's why I think the a lot of what I read in the book, again, circling back to the empathy part, reminds me now to be a little more compassionate, a little bit more empathetic to, to, you know, even some old geezer mm-hmm. driving slow while I'm, trying to, <laughs> while I'm trying to get here and I'm running late for the podcast and uh, it, just little things like that. So that, that's, yeah, I think you're um, being hard on yourself because I know that, uh, you know, I was around you a lot of that time when you were dealing with uh, your brother in those high and low moments. And um, I felt like one of the things that separated you from a lot of other family members and loved ones of addicts and alcoholics was your empathy. Um, I think that often, like, you know, you were the one who would, uh, you know, bail him out, help him get out of jail, give him a place to stay. And I remember, you know, us being around people who would say things like, well, how could you do that? Why don't you let him sit in jail to learn his lesson? And, yep. and you... We're nice to that person, but uh, in private, you'd say, what the fuck do they know? Like, really? Is your brother in jail? You want to leave him in Cook County Jail? Is yeah. that the lesson? And by the way, does that teach him a lesson anyway? Uh, in fact, I remember I was thinking about the, the I only met your brother once, and it was <laughs> right after he got out of jail, and he needed a place to stay for the night, yeah. and he brought him here. The, the three of us hung out and talked. I told him about the book, and he's like, oh, you got to help me write my book. And we talked for a while, and I'm like, oh, okay. I should have been recording. And he told me, like, 20 great stories about jail that I wish I had yeah. I had recorded. Um, and it was tough. You know, he just got out of Cook County Jail for however long. And um, and he was, you know, and I loved him right off the bat. And but and obviously I empathized with him as being, you know, like him in a lot of ways. Um, and you were like, and I was like, this is great. I'm, I'm totally comfortable. This is fine. And you were like, mm, be careful. I'm like, we need to be careful. And then you go like, Tom, uh, hey, don't steal anything. Right in front of you, Tom. Don't steal any. Don't steal any Jay's stuff. And he's like, I wouldn't. He goes, Actually, I looked around already. There's not much here to steal anyway. <laughs> I thought that was just about perfect. Um, so obviously, you know, the part of my my struggles like ballooned when my dad died. Uh, you lost your dad. You also lost your brother. Um, how have you handled it? Because <laughs> you seem to be handling it much better than than I did. So what was it like? I mean, what's that experience been like for you with the grief and how have you handled it? What's what have been your strategies, I guess? Well, so so my father passed just about a year and a few months after Tom, and I think still having that on the shoulders kind of 
desensitized me a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was, you know, he was in pretty bad condition. He had a, he had a lot of things going on. He had multiple strokes and um, he too was an alcoholic. Um, but I would say a functioning alcoholic, or I think that's a term at least <laughs> that I've heard and that Tom yeah. has used. Yeah. Um, you know, he, when he retired, he had a over, did you almost 200 vacation days unspent that he got paid for. And right. so obviously he, he knew where the balance was, um, you know, loved us all very much. And, you know, was a socializer, a great, you know, love golf. And uh, so I, I think he, there was a, as his health deteriorated, we kind of, I kind of knew there was no convalescence, that was going to happen. Right. And so it became more about how much time can I spend with him each day? I see him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and laughing and having a drink with him or uh, watching, you know, baseball, watching the White Sox or the Bears get, you know, their heads kicked in <laughs> and, you know, talking about that. And it, it was just kind of this slow, like, Hey, we, we know it's happening. He's, he accepts it. And so I think there wasn't that shock that you went through mm-hmm. the, uh, and, and my parents were divorced. You, you had your dad probably more in, immersed in your life than, mm-hmm. than I did at a younger age where I saw more on the weekends and, you know, occasionally a, a longer week in the summer or winter break or something like that. So the bond maybe wasn't as um, constant mm-hmm. as your bond was. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, I don't know if you would call it serendipitous, but certainly, you know, made things a lot more accepting when, when he passed. Mm-hmm. Right. So now that's two, you know, you got your brother and your dad, both who dealt with issues with addiction or alcoholism or both, um, and mental illness with, with bipolar with your, with your brother. Um, does that scare you? Do you think about that? Does it make you, you know, think twice about, you know, when you're drinking or whatever, or about your other family members, um, stuff like that? Is that something that you, you worry about? Um, I guess I no. <laughs> uh if if it happens it happens and yeah. we'll, we'll deal with it then uh or i'll deal with it then and so will all of you <laughs> uh, but if it, if it doesn't and and thus far it, it has not i i think i've kept you know all my shit in one sock yeah for the most part uh i yeah i i think if if there's anything habitual not habitual um you know in the blood that mm-hmm. it concerns me it, it would be more medical we've had right. strokes in my family yeah uh, we've had diabetes in my family yeah um both reasons not to drink yet yeah, <laughs> i still i still do yeah. uh and so I, I think that would be the more primary concern yeah for me yeah i hear you uh, i hope you go to the doctor and they, I, no i, 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 I did old. recently go to the doctor <laughs> and i got a strong tisking give <laughs> 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 you a strong tisking all right um all right, well, let's move on. Let's move on from that a little bit. I'm interested also in uh, what you're doing now. So uh, now you and your your partner in crime, let's call her uh, Sally. 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 Yeah. Uh, you've been living on the road for a few years. Uh, at some point, you made a decision to live in a way that's contrary to the norm, like how, how like the regular people live, in air quotes, uh, to what people expect uh, of you guys. And to be honest, I'm more than a little bit jealous of the two of you. So tell us about it. What are you doing and why are you doing that? So this was uh, Sally's initiate, <laughs> initiative. Um, we basically 
would I think most people would call snowbird. Mm-hmm. Um, spend as much time in, in Chicago in the summers where, where it's great when it's not a pandemic. Right. Um, and when in the winter months, just get out of town to wherever it's warmer and, and national parks, uh, you know, coastlines, state parks, um, in a, in a tow RV, uh, we, we pull a 20 foot RV, uh, with a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's campgrounds and, RV resorts uh, of all kinds. And, and it's been terrific because we meet a lot of people, learn a lot of things from, you know, sage-like folks. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are fully retired people that, you know, have, have uh, made this kind of their thing and are impressed, I think, that we do it at a younger age and can both work from the road. Um, but we, we've had some pretty pretty incredible stories and, and things that we've seen and, and experiences and uh it, the nice part for us this week specifically is you, since you bring it up is, is coming back kind of mm-hmm. the bittersweet of leaving the road and like, Oh shit, it's over. But then, you know, we see you and, and yesterday, uh, you know, cousins and, and mm-hmm. friends. And um, so being back in Chicago is, is nice to be with family and then it's nice to get away. From yeah. That's so great. <laughs> and through that whole time, you guys are in pretty close quarters to you and Sally. It's a, it's a 17 foot, foot box basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, we, we, we it tests our patience. I think so in your relationship and you seem to be surviving it. So I think yeah, it says yeah. something about the two of you. Uh, yeah. I'll say that. Um, all right. So let me, let me ask you this. So tell me something that you're looking forward to short term, long term, I don't know, just something you're looking forward to. Um, the spending time with my nieces and nephews. So, uh, Tom's uh, children. He has a daughter and, and a son, son who we never met, mm-hmm. um, which could be a good thing that you know he doesn't remember losing his dad. Uh, right. So his his wife was pregnant when at he the time yeah, when he yeah. passed, mm-hmm. and, um, and and she's also a recovering addict. Mm-hmm. She's now three years sober. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so so spending time with them. My other brother, he, he has two kids up in uh, in Milwaukee, spending time with them, and then friends and family around here. Uh, I think my dad's ex-wife, she's she's local and, and also in Oak Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's what I'm most looking forward to immediately, as as it would be today. But you know, sub sub things, you know, Chicago summer, and, yeah, and uh, you know, weather heating up and uh, the, the lake, baseball games, you know, things that are a little more recreative and mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's funny that the, like the day you're, you're here with me, it's like Florida weather in Chicago I brought it. I brought it. <laughs> in, in May, when it, like right before you got here, it was like 25 degrees. Um, all right. So I'm going to hit you up with this. This is your chance to be an influencer, you know, cause I have lots of listeners like my mom, Probably just my mom. But if you were to suggest something to my mom or if anybody else uh, accidentally stumbles across the podcast, uh, talk about like some kind of music or, or shows, movies, books, pop culture that you're ingesting these days. Uh, recommend something to us. Like what are, you, what are you watching or listening to or reading? Uh, well, I think if it was... It's not immediately today. Um, it's it's been kind of ongoing 
also something that Sally initiated, mm -hmm. more so than um, is, is focusing on the present moment. Right. Uh, and, and there are a couple authors that I, I've read that I, I like, um, Chopra, mm -hmm. and uh, there's another author that I'm forgetting, but uh, New Earth is the name of the book. Okay. Tolle, Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, okay. yeah. New Earth. Uh, just things that kind of remind you to focus on the moment, you know, drop the worry. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to get too philosophical with you because we don't have time we don't that. have time but Glenn. yeah yeah I, I think um just kind of uh, finding your place it you know you're in your own mind in your own heart kind of the, the space between the heart and the mind of, of where i am in the universe and everything is is fine and not to worry because you don't know yeah that's so great and that's a very like AA type of thought you're having there. So I think that's another reason you don't have to worry so much about the disease in your family because you're reading that stuff already. You didn't wait till you went to rehab. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to move to uh, the uh, section of the podcast. That, uh, oh, no. Before we even get to the gratitude, I'm sure you can start thinking more about what you're grateful for. I'm going to give you one more question out of this deck of cards. It's called Big Talk. I don't know. I think maybe my son's left it here. Okay. But it's just a deck of cards with questions on it. I'm going to ask you to pick one and just answer it. Who okay. knows how this goes? Maybe it's stupid. Maybe it's great. Ah, it's a good one. All right. Awesome. Let's the, hear it. The question is, what gives you hope? Oh, that's perfect. It's like I planted that one. All right. So what gives you hope, Glenn? Um, the initial guts, that, again, knee-jerk reaction is going to say that came to mind was failure. I think... Uh, and I've done plenty of it in my life, um, scholastically, professionally, and I'm still here and still bouncing back and, and still getting a little better every day. Um, many times I tried to talk to Tom and, you know, encourage him to stay in rehab. Many times I told my dad to maybe go to the doctor mm -hmm. more often. I failed. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, still had hope that things would be okay. And, you know, they turned the way they turned, but here we are and, and everything's still beautiful. That is awesome. The fact that uh, the thing that gives you hope is failure. I think that's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. That means I should have lots of hope too. Between the two of us, we're full of hope. Um, all right. So now to the gratitude. Um, this is a part of the podcast where each of us will will talk about one thing we're grateful for today. Um, uh, I wrote something down yesterday, but I think I've changed my mind. So I'm going to say something else. But uh, you want to go first, or you want me to go first? What, what am I grateful for? Yeah, yeah. You want to go? You want to well, start us I'm going to steal a, a page from Mr. Rogers. And I'm <sighs> oh, grateful, yeah. I, I'm grateful for this right Fred here. Rogers. For, being, for making this, you know, the, the thing I picked to do right now, mm -hmm. to sit with you here, talk, laugh, reminisce, and, and maybe make somebody out there smile and, and think about something in a better way and hopefully has – a teeny tiny effect in a in a good way. That's awesome. I um, I'm grateful for that too, and uh, I'm certainly grateful to see see your face, even with the silly man bun that you've grown since I saw you last. Thank you. Uh, but what I was thinking about earlier today was uh, uh, that I'm grateful for. I try I make a great uh, gratitude list every day, so I try not to say the same things over yeah. and over and think about. I think of other things I'm grateful for, and something came to me today to think about. 
how grateful I am for teachers. So when I was young, I was very awful to my teachers. I was a class clown kind of uh, jerk in the room, and they were trying really hard. I became a teacher, and I taught for 15 years, so now I understand what I what I put them through. But not just the <laughs> conventional teachers. Um, I had some really great teachers in, in uh, you know growing up and in college who, who like kind of pushed me into becoming a teacher. And had those like light bulb moments, uh, you know, where I, I, I realized how great learning is, uh, but also the other teachers that we have in life, you know, whether it be, you know, my dad, who obviously like informed a lot of what I do. Um, but now how I'm learning from, from everybody I talk to and I'm trying to learn from everybody I talk to and talk to you, talking to people in meetings, talking to, you know, you know, anybody and I talk to my kids, I'm learning from, from, you know, 13 year old kid, yeah. 10 year old you kid every day. Kids, yeah. yeah, because they haven't been spoiled yet by the, by the world. And so I, I like to learn from them. So uh, today I'm, I'm uh, especially grateful for, for teachers in, in every sense of the word. And, and let's be honest, though, some of those teachers deserve what you gave them. <laughs> they, oh, they were God. all good. They were all, you know, good people, but some of yeah, them, you're you know, probably right. Need, I think I can say that now since I'm never going to be looking for a teaching job again. <laughs> I think I can, I, I think I can probably say that. Yeah. There's a couple specifically that I have in mind. I won't say their names. Um, but yeah, some of them are just bad, just like any job. There's some bad teachers. I hate to admit it. Uh, but there's some bad ones. They probably used to be good. I think cause no one goes into teaching for the money. I know that. Um, but, uh, let's not say, that teacher's name that I'm thinking of. I'm doing my best. Okay. All right. Well, that should just about do it um, for for the interview portion of the show. Um, I just want to thank you one more time, Glenn, for coming in. It makes me really Absolutely. happy to see you. And uh, I love catching up. Yeah, right back at you. Thanks for, for including me. You're welcome. All right. So now it's time for a couple of quick thank yous and goodbyes. First of all, thanks again to Glenn for being in the podcast and, more importantly, for being my friend. I think there's a lot that my listeners can learn from your story, and I really appreciate you being willing to tell it. If any of you did learn something or if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Not really sure how that works, but please click the boxes that indicate you had a good time. If you want to contact me, you can find me on Instagram at Between the Lines Book or at Jalen40, or you can just send an email to Between the Lines Memoir at gmail.com. If you'd like to make a monthly contribution to help support what I'm doing on the Between the Lines of the podcast, you can click the Support the Podcast link at the end of the episode description. Or just spread the word. Tell a friend if you have one. Most of all, thanks for listening today. Peace. I'm out of here. Thank you.